755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Welcome back to 755 is real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer with The Athletic with my co-host Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. What's going on, Eric? Not much. Just enjoying some downtime. Sounds like seems like things are starting to heat up a little bit for yeah. baseball. Things definitely started percolating pretty quick here at the winter meetings the last couple of days. That's what I want to ask you about. Was the uh, do you have any surprise at all with the uh, enormity of the contracts here? I asked Alex Anthopoulos about it this morning. You know, he tried to not explain it away, but he did try make a point that you're dealing with really elite players and the ones yeah. that are these huge contracts. You're talking about Degrom, the best player, the best pitcher in baseball when he's healthy. You're talking about Aaron Judge, who just had a historic season, hit more yeah. home runs than anybody's hit in a couple of decades. All-time American League record, all-time non-steroid record. Um, so that is a and two guys that you know in Judge's case he's below he's not, not even thirty years old yet. So uh, th- there is a point there, but there is th- there are some other guys getting some really large contracts that maybe you wouldn't have expected with the length, especially the length on uh, Degrom, for instance, gets five years. When yeah. he hasn't pitched a full season of, of innings over the last two years combined, and he's 34, and he's getting $40 million. I almost feel like you're just hoping if you could get three out of him, he's worth it. You know, if, if he gets three full seasons. I was telling somebody the other day, I was like, you know, when they see the length of these deals, that's what guys freak out about. But, you know, if you sign Mike Trout to a 12-year deal, you can't pay him $60 million a year on a six-year deal. You know, so you yeah. do the math to what right. he's worth over those six or right. seven good years, and you just you're spreading the money out over eleven. But I think the teams really look at him as six to seven year deals. Yeah, his is thirty seven million a year, which I guess if you're the Mets, uh, or not the Mets, if you're the Rangers, you might look at it as that's better than giving him three years at forty five million or fifty million a year or whatever. Right. But uh, it's a huge risk, whatever. And if you look at the Rangers, what they did last year and the kind of contracts they're handing out, they, these guys are really leveraging themselves and, put, and taking some risky deals. Um, the Mets lose DeGrom, add Verlander. But if you would have told me that a team is going to have the two, uh, two oldest pitchers? Pretty close. 40-year-old guys this year are going to be making $43. million. <laughs> two of them. <laughs> Those two 40-year-old pitchers, dude, are going to be making literally a much higher than the than the payrolls of a bunch of teams. Yeah. Two 40-year-old pitchers. I mean, yeah, that's – I know they're exceptional cases, but still they're 40-year-old pitchers. Before this, you know, before the last five years, though, it was hard to imagine a 40-year-old throwing 97 miles an hour minus, you know, yeah. Nolan Ryan or the rare freak that came along. Right. I mean, the numbers, Scherzer for me looked more like he's starting to kind of, you know, have to battle with age than Verlander did. Verlander looked amazing last year. Coming back from Tommy John. Yeah. Yeah, he's a freak. Yeah. Yeah, Scherzer is, I mean, that he wouldn't get that deal now after breaking down, you know, the last couple Mm -hmm. of years several times. But uh, the best, they have the the makings, obviously, of another great rotation. But every time those guys go out there, one pitch away from, it ending. Yeah. Know? So, but the Mets with what the, the other, the other one that really stood out today was Taiwan Walker. Yeah. 
I mean, he got four years, $72 million from the Phillies. But you know what? We've talked about Dave Dombrowski. When they first signed Dave, when they hired Dave Dombrowski, I told you, that guy's to win now. He doesn't care about rebuilding. He doesn't care about prospects. He is win now. And now he's at the end of his, of his career. He's doubly yeah. in win now. And the Phillies yeah. got so close to the World Series. I think he is determined to win one more ring with another team. Yeah, well, and if, if you – especially with if he's in the mindset of I'm getting close to the end, you don't really care what you leave behind after that. And he's definitely getting close to the end. Look at his age, you know, I mean, he gives that 11 year contract to Trey Turner. He gives out what? Seven years. They gave out seven years today. And I don't think he's the way he looks at it as I'm going to be retired for five years before Trey Turner's done with that deal, you know? Yeah. So it's like you said earlier, I think they're paying for, for Trey and Trey Turner's case, I think they're paying for six or seven years and just spreading it out a little further. But those bills are going to come due. And when Trey Turner's 39, 40 years old, and his game is about speed, largely yeah. about speed, and he's going to be making some serious coin, man. But yeah, I, mean, going for I think it, that's man. the only way to look at it, though, is, is just the, the the win now type of, you know, you're paying for – you're paying for the next five years, honestly, on these longer deals that you're expecting the guys to stay elite. And I think teams are just coming to terms with that's what you have to do to get these guys. You know, I mean, if somebody's going to fork up the money in the years for, for these guys, but for the players, it's like, that's what keeps you in the game is the guaranteed money. Yep. You know, I don't, you don't care how it's spread out it, for players prefer years. So if you don't want to go home and right. you're a busted up 38 year old, Right. You're not even getting an invite to spring training. Meanwhile, these guys are going to get every chance to turn it around, be on a team, keep flying on the planes and enjoying the life. You know, if, if I'm in those players' shoes, it, it, for me, I'm shooting for years too. Yeah. Zach Eflin gets a three-year, $40 million deal from the Rays. That was that was a surprise to me. For the Rays to – I mean, they don't, they, they don't spend much. Yeah, yeah. So they, that, that was a big one. Um, obviously, the, the – the, the move that everybody came here waiting to happen happened last night, late last night. And Aaron judge had the all time example of a guy betting on himself and coming up huge. Yeah. He, he literally made $146 million betting on himself and declining that contract. When we all were like, wow, that's a lot of money to, to decline. You're, you're an injury away from things changing drastically, but, now he's got the largest contract ever for a position player. He's going to make forty million a year, and he got that extra year tacked on to the to the, the initial offer. Yeah, by by coming out here and leveraging the Padres, making a trip to San Diego last night, the the Yankees added another year at forty million dollars on it just because of that. Yeah, I just I wonder how teams feel about that. You know, if he if he had any desire to go there or play there. or if you just feel used, you know how that affects a relationship yeah. with the agent because you offer yeah. more money and they still go back to the team that they want to be with. They offered him more than 400. Yeah. It's insane money. Yeah. I mean, they had, you know, they got turned down by Trey Turner. So they had that money. Obviously they were, they had, they had already made the commitment to spending it. If Trey Turner signed with them. Yep. So then when he turns them down, they still got that money and here's a bigger fish. Here's the aircraft carrier, you know, so what the hell? Throw in another little bit more and let's go for it. Can you yeah, even imagine I mean, that outfielder if they'd have got him and they had him and Soto in the corners? No, that's a nightmare middle of the order. 
But so yeah, he's going back to the Yankees. I mean, I, I think most of us felt all along, even though the Giants made a, obviously made a hard push, and that was for real. And he's from up there. It just seemed like hard to believe the Yankees were going to let him go without matching or beating any offer. I don't they think did. they were, but that's except the Padres. They didn't that's play. why everybody wants everything to stay out of the media because it was just yeah. a process that had to play out. You know, I mean, it, it's just it turns into a distraction for the players all year, and I think both sides kind of knew. Similar to the Dansby situation where I think both sides know that where each where they want to wind up, you know, the team knows they want you back and, you know, you want to be back. But yeah, why is a team going to bet against itself? So he has to go through the process, show them like, hey, I'm not you know, I'm not bullshitting. Here's what's on the table for me. Yeah. If you make me, I'll take this money. But can you get close to it? They get close and you stay with the team you're in. But watching that whole um, process play out in public, you know, it just causes a lot of stress for for the player themselves and for the team. And it's, you know, I think AA does an amazing job of just keeping everything under the table yeah. for, to not have that distraction. And I tell you what, man, he's far enough along in his career, Alex is, and he's had enough success that he jumped all over these guys and got those long-term deals done, which I tell you what, I've had more people come up to me at the – baseball at here at the winter meetings and ask how does he do it how does i he heard do a guy before month? we started asking you about it yeah so people that wonder aren't the braves going to do anything you got to keep in mind that they've got literally every position except like two is locked down already you know yeah. left field and shortstop so it's plenty of time for him to do something i know everybody wants him to sign dansby or or, or one of the other guys well we know they're not going to sign one of the other guys because they're all expensive so if they're going to sign a guy for that much it's going to be dansby and just one other thing about judge i wanted to ask turning down that much from san diego i think he's a northern california guy if he came back it was going to be up there but i think the biggest thing is he knows what that legacy is in new york what that means to be a lifetime yankee he saw jeter do it how he's treated there there's very few guys that ever play their whole careers with the yankees and now he's a god there after, you know, the judges' chambers, and then he has the biggest year in Beast Maris record. I, that be That's not worth taking an extra whatever million to come play for San Diego with really no idea how this is going to work out in San Diego. Where are they going to be two or three years from now? You don't know. Right. You, you know the Yankees are always going to make an effort to win. They might not always win, but they're going to spend the money to try. Uh, they're not going to suck. You know that. Right. You know, I right. mean, you, you might go through a rough season where a couple guys get banged up and – you have to make some trades or something, but within a year or two, you're going to be competitive again. Almost. I mean, like clockwork with them. Yeah. Um, the Padres went through that lull. I, I just, for me, I just think it's even when you go into the visiting clubhouse in New York, you yeah. feel, you feel special, you know, it's, yeah. it's filet mignon. It's all this stuff. Um, it's just a, there's something special about putting on that Yankees uniform that I think guys that have done it, you know, for an amount of time, it's yeah. a lot to give up the way you get treated. You know, you're in the national spotlight if that's your thing. But there's there's certain perks that that city offers and that organization offers that no matter how hard another organization tries, you know, nobody can really offer what the Yankees can. And he's got to know, too, if and when they do win another World Series and he's right in the middle of all that. I mean, oh, you're free dinners for life. Yeah. And yeah. he's already six, eight. So it's not like he's blending in. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah, so and he can keep having the best of both worlds. Obviously, with that money, he can live wherever the hell he wants. If he wants to live in California, he can in the offseason. Uh, yeah, he can go buy a house in San Diego, in, San Francisco, or Italy, or, yeah. or anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but getting back to the Braves, 
the Dansby Swanson situation. Everybody wants clarity on it. And I really don't think there is clarity other than what I've come away from out here talking to Alex a couple of times and talking to Snit a couple of times. And again today um, is that, and we've seen Alex do this. So I'll do it with Freddie last year. He sets a line in the sand. He knows what he, how far he's willing to go with these guys. And he is able to, and I would say that Alex as a GM is closer to some players than most GMs ever get. He right. was closer to Freddie than you see most GMs ever get. He's closer to Dansby. I mean, he's genuinely friends with Freddie with Dansby. I don't know if he's friends with him, but he was, he, he really likes him and, and he they text, you know, and all that with Freddie was, he was close, but he's able to separate that, not let the emotions or his feelings get in the way and do the things that he thinks are going to allow the team to maintain being a contender year after year after year. And he doesn't want to be overpaying a guy five years from now. Padres ain't worried about that. Obviously that, you know, the Phillies are not worried about that. Alex isn't in a position like Dombrowski is. Alex is in a position where he wants to stay where they are now, contend every single year, and be doing it five years from now and six years from now and and, and, and maintain that, that payroll where it is. You know, the payroll's gone up every year, and it is pushing 200 right now, so I have to give him credit for that. Yeah, but they got uh, a $350 million team. <laughs> you know, when exactly. you look at the guys that they're not going to have to pay. It, exactly. In a few years, they, they are – in a few years, they're going to be having a payroll that is going to be $100 million less than what it could be if they were paying the maximum free agent prices for the likes of Acuna, yeah. whose salary peaks out at $17 million. Austin Riley, $22 million. Matt Olson, $22 million. Yeah, if Yeah, and if Ozzy Albies is like single-digit million, if these guys are all having – all-star years and hitting 30 home runs and all that. They're going to be, they're going to be $30 million players in Acuna's case, maybe $40 million player making 17 million. So yeah, it allows them to fill in in the meantime, because the payroll is going to keep going up and, and I wouldn't write off Dansby. I mean, I know it doesn't look, it looks pretty it sounds like you are lately at, well, the way Snit talks about, it, I'm going to miss that guy. I'm going to pull for him forever, but they always couch it. That. <laughs> yeah. Snit said, I'm going to, I love that kid to death and I'm going to pull for him for always but at the same time he said depending on which direction we go they're not all they they, they won't commit to you know we're turning the page and snit was talking about because i asked him about grissom you know did he see enough athleticism from grissom and know enough about wash and what he and having seen what wash has done with guys you know one-on-one does he feel does he feel good enough about grissom's athleticism and wash's tutelage to, to be comfortable with grissom as a shortstop and snit kind of shot that down or snit was like i haven't seen that you know, I haven't seen Gris play enough shortstop, but we're going to go. We got Arcia too. We're going to go to spring training and let them play and see how it pans out. So he yeah. would not commit to Grissom, though. He made it pretty clear that it's going to be decided at spring if they don't bring Dansby back or trade for another guy or sign another guy. Uh, as far as trade possibilities, um, I wouldn't get my hopes up on Willie Adamas. I talked to. Craig Council, I've known him since I covered him with the Marlins. I talked to him today. He made it pretty clear to me. They're not, if they traded him, it would shock him. They're not trading him. He said, if we trade Willie, we might as well trade everybody. You know, they're not They're not in that mode. Um, right. You know, Cleveland might. They might trade. You know, they might be willing to trade uh, their guy, but uh, he's, he's defensively way below what Dansby is, you know. The the attractive thing he's a good hitter he hits the ball hard, but he's only got and he's only got one year left so it'd be a good bridge guy to get to Grissom maybe Grissom spends a whole year in AAA and really does get shortstop down pat 
Um, but I don't, I just don't know if he's, if, if they're willing to kind of give up that defense. Uh, I wouldn't be, but I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I mean, Smith's doing his job, but I wouldn't put, I watched Marcus Simeon have one of the most challenging seasons I've ever seen at shortstop with Oakland. And yeah. I mean, Wash turned him into a player. Wash Wash was on his ass every day. Yeah, and I mean Grissom seems like a uh, the type of dude that's going to work. Uh, and, and he's and, down there working with him this winter, and that's yeah. that's something right there. I mean, three one week sessions, you can get a lot done in three one on one. Nothing but yes. you working on short with Wash. Yeah, and I mean Wash followed. He might as well have had a locker in Simeon's locker. He was on his ass day in day out, and I mean you could see it wearing on Marcus, but at the same time, yeah. It, it turned him into a major league shortstop. And, and How about he was Chavez? Really struggling. How about yeah. Chavez? What he yeah. did with him? Yeah. Chavez literally gave Wash one of his gold gloves. Yeah. He said he's the one that made me a gold glover. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Snitch just, you know, he's not going to say a guy's ready or we're committing to him or anything. Right. But it, me, still me was personally. being honest, too, because he hasn't seen Grissom play shortstop. Because yeah. I don't even remember him playing short when we brought him over from minor league camp in, in spring training games. Yeah. So he's just – he's being honest when it comes to that. And, you know, he's always going to go with the veteran guy like Arcia. He loves Arcia and yeah. how he's handled that demotion to utility and all that. So yeah. he's going I mean, he's going For me, you just – you don't sacrifice defense there. You know, I mean, unless you got a guy with Hanley Ramirez bat that's going to hit you 30-something homers a year. Right. Um, and Ahmad Rosario is not that. He but, is a good hitter, though. Right. But they have enough offense that – you know, yeah. if, if if worse came to worse, you got to roll Marcia out there, and he can get some big knocks. You know, they they'd be all right. You can you know plug some offense into other areas, but I mean, it 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 blows it. It shocks me that it seems like he's that Dansby's not coming back because I felt like his situation's a little different than Freddie's. I did too, being an Atlanta guy and wanting to be there and having those deep roots there, and not being a guy that was going to. You know, he's not past 30, and he's not looking for, you know, maximum dollars. But he's also made it pretty clear to some people that he's not taking a big discount to stay at home. And for better or worse, he hit the market. at. He had a career year and a walk year, and he hit a market that is just flourishing now. Yeah. So if the Braves had this figure in mind, that might have been before this market exploded, but I don't know if they're changing their figures just because the market exploded. That's not how they look at the market. They look at the market as some teams really had needs. There were some elite players on the, and some of those contracts that were given out are unreasonable beyond that too, you know, for the guys that weren't elite. Right. And Alex just isn't going to jump in there and say, everybody else is doing it. I'm going to do it too. So I don't know how that's going to work out with Dansby, but I think the I think he's going to get that twenty four twenty five million or whatever he's looking for. Well, I mean, after like you the see Cubs, the money Trey Turner got from somebody like the Cubs, yeah, you know, I could see the Cubs doing it and building around him and him being and fe- showcasing him, featuring him, and everything because it's time for them to start spending and getting back up there. I mean, they're a, you talk about a team making printing yeah. money and not spending it to the degree they're print they're making it. He'd match up really well with Rossi too. Rossi'd love him. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, and Rossi has told people that he's their he's their number one guy as far as if they get if they sign a shortstop, he's the guy they want. That's why I talked to somebody today that said Rossi said that off the record. That's a so, tempting. That's a tempting place to go. I can see him playing there or St. Louis and fitting in, just yeah. perfect. 
his personality, those markets, you know, that's if he leaves the Braves. He obviously fits perfect in the Braves. Yeah. I mean, he, he's, he fits anywhere. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's the, he's the kind of dream non diva teammate, you know, that yeah. that's borderline a superstar. I mean, he's a, he's, he's a stud and he plays for the team, works his ass off. He's never a problem in the clubhouse. You know, I mean, he's, he's everything a, that you want in a clubhouse type of guy. Yeah. And, and he's been a great leader for that infield. Uh, for me, it's, it's one of those things where if I had kind of drawn a line in the stand and I had all these guys on discounts, I might be willing to stretch a figure to keep him, especially after losing Freddie. Yeah. I mean, the leadership is huge, man. I mean, they better, if they, if they let him walk, they better know or feel comfortable with who's going to take that leadership void. Who's going to step up. Yeah, because they're I mean, going to need somebody to. It's so um, important to have a guy that's just—I mean, he's like clockwork, you know. Just that—that that just reliable guy that you just see working his ass off every day, always doing the right things. I mean, it—it it just makes that decision so much easier for the rest of your teammates. Um, Snit have seen the same video that a lot of us have seen of uh, Acuna down in uh, Venezuela Winter League, and Snit's really been. Uh, Excited about it, seeing it, seeing how he's moving, running around all down, down there. How's using his legs on those wings? You know, I know he's hitting 90 mile an hour fastballs yeah. down the middle. There's no doubt about that. But to see him use his legs and all that and move comfortably, I think is more important than the pitching that he's hitting down there. And to see how confident he was, like just running on the infield and everybody's celebrating with him and all that. Um, he looks like he's moving like normal, you know, and, yeah. and, he, and he looks – happy as hell too yeah yeah you i know? think he'll be i think he's in for a big year that's um, what snit said he thinks he's gonna have a huge year he'll be surprised if he doesn't you kind of have like year. you know subconscious mus- muscle memory of protecting a joint that you can't undo without time off and he went yeah. straight from rehab and rehab and rehab and jumping into a major league season you know you just you kind of have these tendencies to protect it and it changes your movement patterns to the point where if you just take some time off and chill it gives everything a chance to reset. And then when it yeah. doesn't hurt, you stop favoring it. But when you've been favoring something, you build up one side of your body stronger. So, I, you know, I think for him, just getting that time off and and not beating up his legs, he's not playing outfield, right? Right. It's DH and then. So just getting getting to work on his swing and take it easier on his legs, I think he's going to have a big year. Yeah. And he'll get a full spring training. Yeah. And, and also – with. We felt to mention Grissom, he's, you know, in addition to working those three weeks with Wash, he's going to have a full spring training to play shortstop. And he's yeah. going to be with Arcia. They're going to be pushing each other and helping each other. I'm Arcia's going to be helping him, I'm sure. So, you know, if it comes down to Grissom I or, or Arcia, but I think I, I would think Grissom would, would win that job. But if it comes down to him, I think they'll be okay. I just think the clubhouse probably is more important than on the field because, like you said, going to get more production this year from for instance from Acuna he's going right. to be back closer to him from Ozzy Albies dude yeah he the barely played injuries, there's two injuries he had there's no reason why he wouldn't be 100% coming back from he had a broken foot then he had a broken pinky those aren't elbow shoulder anything like that yeah he should be fine he should be 100% so you add those two right there what they should what they can do Matt Olson had one of his worst slumps he had the worst slump of his career last year push and press and you know in his first year you got to think he's going to be more like he was at the very end of the year like he was at the start of the year than in the middle when he just got you know overwhelmed i think by everything 
Yeah, new, te- new teams are hard. You know, no matter how good of a player you are, um, it's it's good to come to that first spring training and already know everybody and not have to try to get to know every, you know, every single guy and, and prove yourself to people and show people what you're about. You know, you just get to give your hugs and high fives and joke around a little bit and then go out and work. Yeah. I, so I think they could, if they need to add offense, I think they could do that in left field. There's something well, Ozuna obviously can't be any worse than he's been the last two years and he could be a lot better. You know, yep. he's playing winter ball. Some, um, RC is playing winter ball, by the way, just started down in Venezuela. Um, you know, they're going to give Ozuna a chance to show in spring training. You know, are you can you be any better than last year? And you got to think if they because I don't think they can trade him. They got to think they're going to give him a chance during the season too. One last chance, you know, to show if you can be any better. Because you just never know. He might come out and be hitting like he was two years ago. <laughs> he could come out and hit forty this year. That's what's that's what's you know makes it tough right. just giving up on him is right when that you look like a fool. In, there's yeah. there's nowhere to go. If you ate all that salary, he walks and signs with somebody else, and you're paying him to play for somebody else. Yeah, that's a nightmare scenario, especially if you need left field offense. So yeah, it's it kind of a, a difficult team like position. The Mets and fits in and hits yeah. 35 for him. It's a tough position to be in because you don't want to go gung ho and all in and get another left fielder, and then have no abs. You know, you're going to have abs for him at DH, but you also want to be able to give those to Contreras. That's why I've said I know they talk about that catching depth, and I, Alex says he loves it, but I think a lot of that's posturing for trades. He wants teams to know that we can give these guys. We don't have to trade one of them. Right. To me, it would make all the sense in the world to trade Pena. I wouldn't trade Contreras, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't trade Darno, especially if you have that clubhouse uh, leadership void because he is a leader in there, and he just is so important to that pitching staff. But I would trade Pena. If you can get something for him and help fill another need, maybe get another outfield bat, uh, they got the Hilliard guy from Colorado who, when he's on, he's okay, but he's not a daily guy, everyday guy. But that's an area where they could add offense, even if he can't do it until the season. If Azuna just sucks again, you know, for the first two months of the season, at the trade deadline, you could add a big bat there. You know, you could then say, yeah. we are giving up on Azuna. We're eating the rest of it. And and you've got money and resources. You can go get a big bat at the trade deadline for the stretch. Yeah, and, I mean, you're talking about a team that won 101 games. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's not like this urgency. right. I know some other teams are getting better, but they still won the division. And yeah. when you don't have these giant, massive holes to fill, you know, it's a good place to be. It's not a place of panic. Right. You got you got to keep reminding yourself. You won like 13 more games than the, the Phillies. Then they went 88 yeah. or 89. And not only that, but you played the Phillies when the Phillies got on a roll like the Braves were on the previous postseason. You played them without two of your three best starting pitchers for all intents yeah. and purposes. Freed yeah. was still weakened by the flu, the upper respiratory thing. He wasn't himself. And Strider had two great innings in him before the fatigue hit him because he hadn't pitched in a month. Well, yep. there's two of your best three starters in a, in a short series. And the, meanwhile, the Phillies pitchers were at the best they'd been. Their, their whole team was. You know, and I, their I, crowd I, was insane there. And, and they were hungry. You know, I mean, and yeah. the, it's, it's that first time being there that you just can't match that energy. And I think that the – you know, we've talked about it, but I think that the Braves were playing playoff baseball for two months. Exactly. It, it's a lot different four months. Up for those games. Yeah, for yeah, for basically four months. For, yeah, they they them and the Mets left it all on the field, I thought, during the regular season. Because the Mets weren't the same team in the postseason either. They were spent, having spent four months fending off the Braves, you know? Yeah. So neither of those teams beat up on each other all year. And 
I, I think the schedule this year, by the way, is going to help in that regard. Not playing everybody in the division 19 times. Yes. I think when you're in the NL East and the AL East and the, you're playing some really good teams, some heavy hitters 19 times, it's going to benefit those divisions better more than I think it is the weak divisions. The weak divisions aren't going to be able to play the sorry-ass teams 19 times. They're going to have to play some better teams more. Yeah. In the Braves case and the other NL East teams, they're going to play some lesser teams more than playing the Phillies 19 times, the Mets 19 times. You know, they're not going to have to do that. Face yeah. the Marlins pitching 19 times. Well, and and those teams seeing your guys so much. You know, yeah. I mean, you play a team and they've seen your best. There might be times where you don't even match up you know, schedule-wise with a team more than once or twice the whole season. When you're playing your division 19 times, you've got a chance to see a starter three or four times. Yeah. Yeah, so when the Phillies faced the Braves, Strider had completely dominated the Phillies during the regular season, remember? Yeah. Yes. But then his last one, when he got hurt, was facing the Phillies, and he did the oblique. He didn't pitch again for four weeks. So the Phillies are facing him. They're really familiar with him. They've had time yep. to, okay, let's. what are we going to do this time? And they're facing a much weaker Strider, too. So, yep. But he dominated them for two, for two innings. And then yep. they figured him out, and they were on, like, <laughs> eight straight pitches or some ridiculous number. They were. So. This is the crazy thing about the postseason, too, is that that's, that's how the Braves won the World Series the year before. You, you yeah. can just you can run into a team in the postseason where it's all that clicking. It's just on fire, you know. And yeah. once you get that momentum, that, like that that home run Harper hit, I would have bet my house he was going deep there because yeah. it, it just fit how things were going for them. It, and that's just kind of what can happen in the postseason. It doesn't say that the Braves weren't good enough last year. They ran into it hot. They could have easily won another World Series or gone to World Series and matched yeah. up against. There's a time where there's a team like the Astros who's just so much better than everybody right. else that they're probably winning it. But at the same time, the Braves easily could have been a World Series team last year. No doubt. And, you know, there's not a lot changing. And and, and the other thing the Phillies had was look at Schwarber. Yeah. He's done that in the postseason before. And when that yep. guy gets hot, man, I mean, because when he's, when he's cold, he looks terrible. But yep. when he's hot, that dude is a terror. The ball he hit in San Diego is the farthest ball I've ever seen hit. I mean, they had him. Hoskins was playing much better than he did during the season or earlier in the postseason. And then Harper. I mean, they had some guys hitting, man. And Cassiano's talked about how he can't yeah. focus during the regular season. And how about him making the, great, the three or four greatest catchers he's made in his career in the postseason? Yep. yep. Things happen. Sometimes a team gets on a roll and everything just starts. They play with confidence and swagger and it all works. And that's and the, the Braves. Braves we saw that with before. the Braves. Yep. And you got that feeling about the Braves the year before. By the time they were beating the Dodgers in the NLCS, you're like, this team can win it all. Yep. I mean, they just played like it. And the Phillies look like that this year. Yep. After they beat the Padres. So, anyway, uh, the Braves are going to leave here without making a big deal, I think. Uh, these things are wrapping up sooner than they did in the past. They went really went, they went three full days. And then they, uh, Rule 5 was on Thursday morning. Well, this year they're going, they started Sunday night. But Rule 5 is this afternoon, Wednesday afternoon. So they're, we're done after today. So it's really three, three and a half days this, now instead of the four and a half. So uh, a lot of GMs are already booking getting out of here. Are you – so you just – I mean, you're just hanging around there. But is it, it, most of the stuff happen, you know, in, in meeting rooms or is it like the hotel bars where it goes down? Not like it used to be. It used to be all you'd run into the GMs, managers, scouts, all drinking in the hotel bars and stuff yeah. would get done there and the deals would go down. Not now. <laughs> in the age of texting, the GMs have all said, especially these young GMs, they've all said, we don't need to have these meetings. They're all eyewashed. They have these meetings so that MLB Network has four days of programming. They talk about it nonstop. Right. 
ESPN does live remotes from here. It keeps baseball in the news. That's why they have them now. It's not, yeah. you know, and there is something to getting all the GMs in one place. And you see what you saw this morning, the flurry of moves, because everybody yeah. gets caught up and they're engaged and all that. Yeah. So it's kind of harder to do that, to get everybody on the same page and going at once. But when, when they all know they're flying out this afternoon, so stuff does get done. But the GMs would tell you, we we do the same shit here that we could do at home. Because they're like texting from one suite to the suite down the hall. They're yeah, not like, you they're know. They're not the, mingling. Right. I but think it, it'd be so cool to see an agent just serving a uh, GM shots or something like that about 1 a.m. and you see a deal the next morning. How many times that went down in the past? It's not like the old days where like a, the, the, you had a GM set up a, a table that said open for business, you know, I mean, that kind of stuff. That just, used to happen? That happened one time, man. Trader Jack. Yeah, the, <laughs> I said open for business. They were, you know, it, it was, you just don't see anything. It's not irreverent like that anymore. And, uh, but they do have some other meetings mixed in. Like the managers had a meeting at noon today where they were going over all the new rules. Cause a lot of my, yeah. like, like, like Snit was like, I gotta go. I gotta, I'm, I'm looking forward to the meeting. Cause I'm really not up on all these new rules. So how this is going to affect us. So there's so much, I can't keep up anymore. Yeah. So there are some things like that. And the GMs went over some things, but for the most part, it's uh, just a, an excuse to you know, for programming and everything. So, but anyway, all right. Well, I don't think the Braves are going to do anything unless, unless you know, something could happen in a hurry if some agent comes back to them and says, all right, we'll, we'll take that offer you made or whatever. Or a team comes back and says, you know, on second thought, we will do that trade. But I'm not anticipating anything uh, before, you know, the end of the week. Alex is going back home today. So, you know, I've seen many times in the past where something happened right after the GM meetings where he, yeah. the winter meetings where they talked about a trade. They got home, had time to think about it, you know. Go, you know what? We will do that, and teams can yeah. together and do it. So that could also happen. But for right now, nothing. I'm not seeing anything on the horizon. They still got the needs. I would say they still need to add a bullpen arm. We didn't even mention Kenley Jansen signs a two-year, uh, $32 million deal today with the Red Sox. Good for him, getting two Good years at yeah. his age with the heart and all that. Talking to Snit today, Snit's. You know, they they obviously missed him, and they want. Uh, they'd like to have had him back at a lower rate, but um, he thinks that could be the best thing for Kenley with the heart rate and all that to be in a cooler environment without all the humidity and all that. And that NL East and you play in a dome in Toronto and, you know, then the summer in in Atlanta was summer taxing Atlanta. all that big man, especially with the pitch clock. Yep. It's going to have to be working a lot faster. That's going to be an interesting thing to, to watch, but I think it'll be good for the game. You know I mean? There's, yeah, I've always so, thought whenever they talk about a pitch clock, I'm like, there's not that much to think about. Read the swing, get on the mound right. and, you know, throw the ball. Some of these guys yeah. that drag it out, it's so annoying. Chavez and a couple of the younger guys that came up from the minors are about the only guys that, that consistently got would have been within the pitch clock. Most of the older guys are going to all have to pick it up a little bit. Yeah. But but and and then but in the case of Jansen, man, Kenley's gonna have to like almost cut his time in half. Yeah. Yeah. He's gonna have to be working a lot harder. Yeah, he faster. takes a minute. Yeah. I mean yeah, that's that's almost one of those things over he might get a little leniency with an actual heart issue. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. If, if he kills over, you know, it's like, Hey, we slow right. this thing down a little bit. All right. Well, it's good seeing you, man. Good talking to everybody. You're listening are, are doing this for everybody. Hope uh, you guys are, I know everybody's kind of anxious and wants stuff to get done, but you got to always keep in mind. I'm talking about, man, this is a team that unlike most teams, they have the luxury of having so many places locked up for years. Yeah. So, and Alex was the, executive of the year keep that in mind yeah. sporting news executive of the year 
I think he knows what he's doing. Yep. <laughs> All right, man. 755 right. is real. I, I didn't even say anything about uh, ready for takeoff with the stupid headset, but uh, <laughs> I needed to do it with their setup. I hate it. <laughs> I look like yeah. a total geek. I stopped, I stopped noticing it after about two minutes. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. 755 is real. From the winter meetings, we're out. Yeah.